Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WFNZ. We're live at the Westin for ACC kickoff. Well, you got to hear like 95% of that interview with Jeremy Michaels talking about the new schedule for the ACC network. Also got a Jeff Capel question in there. Like, hey, how do you like somebody clowning your programming? Didn't love it. Had the meeting. Good stuff. We'll put that on the website, WFNZ.com. All you have to do is click on the podcast tab, Wes and Walker. Going to be very easy to find. We'll have all that stuff up for you a little bit later on in the show. Going to try my best Wes Bryant impression right now by taking us to the campus. Kona! All right. We have the media. He does that every time, too. All right. Let's go into the sound bites. Here we go from Jim Phillips. He spoke yesterday at ACC kickoff discussing the situation at Northwestern after I thought maybe he might not even talk, talk on it whatsoever. He did give you a couple of comments on uh, a couple of his comments on the situation that took place earlier um, in the month. As you are aware, I released a statement last week. This is a very difficult time for the Northwestern community. And my heart goes out to any person who carries the burden of mistreatment or who has been harmed in any way. During my 30-year career in college athletics, my highest priority has always been the health and safety of all student-athletes. As you know, with this matter in litigation, I'm unable to share anything more at this time. So I didn't expect to hear much from Jim Phillips on that front anyway. That's about what I expected from him. And there was some more news coming out of Northwestern. The athletic teams will begin participating in mandatory in-person anti-hazing seminars conducted by outside groups. Beginning with the football team, of course, as athletic director Derek Gragg said, and he is committed toward making sure that nothing like this ever happens again. And so now, unfortunate as it is, it's extremely unfortunate, you're hoping that the other leagues will capitalize and making sure they don't have any situation like this happen for them to then say, we won't have anything else happen like this. Hopefully now you understand the example and Jim Phillips can get off running to this with making sure it does not happen whatsoever within the ACC regular season, this upcoming season, and beyond. Let's go to some more Jim Phillips audio. Next soundbite I wanted to play is Jim Phillips talking about how the league is indeed healthy and the unequal revenue distribution is a plan that they're working out right now. The league is healthy. It, it just is. And certainly there's rumblings. Again, we all saw what happened in the springtime. But the group has come together in a way, uh, to me, that demonstrates they want to work together to find solutions. We've worked with Fishbait on our eight-point plan, generating new additional revenue. The ESPN partnership is really strong. And ESPN and the ACC are completely motivated together to generate additional dollars. You see that the conference presidents and chancellors 
have initiated the success initiative, in, in, success in, incentive initiative, which is going to distribute dollars in a disproportionate way. We've never gone down that road before in the ACC, and I'm not sure many conferences have. And so revenue generation continues to be a priority. City, I'm going to kick this one back to you. So are you convinced by Jim Phillips when he says the ACC is healthy and then gives you evidence by saying it just is? Is that a convincing argument for you that the ACC is indeed healthy? Yeah, um, that's I mean, that's the best way of saying, yeah, we're not a healthy league, but I'm going to tell you that we're healthy. And this is this is the problem that I think we have with 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 the commissioner is that. He, he never really seems confident in what he's trying to sell us because everybody will tell you, hey, this league ain't, this league is not in the, in the best standing spot. And the best evidence of that is that when you had the, was it the Magnificent Seven or whatever they were calling themselves back That's in, right. you know, late May, early June, talking about another way to get out of the conference. So until that stops happening, until the Carolina, the Clemsons, the Florida States are actively trying to leave the ACC, Jim Phillips can try all he wants. He can't convince me that this league is healthy. All right, let's go to more Jim Phillips sound. Here he is talking about how we should expect to see more high profile out of conference matchups because of the bigger margin of error. With the expanded playoff, I think you're going to see more of those kinds of games because you can you can suffer a loss and maybe even two and still get into a 12-team playoff. So, you know, the, the, the unique thing about scheduling is it, it's done individually. So the conference office doesn't have a lot of um, influence on it. You know, we can, we've tried to set up some games like we did in Ireland, which will be great. That's a conference game. But uh, I commend our schools that are playing difficult non-conference games. And what I'd like to see in the selection moving forward is there being, you know, more emphasis on the games that you are playing, right? And what's the totality? What's the resume look across a 12-game schedule? Not just what you've done in your own conference, but who have you played in the non-conference schedule? So look forward to those games and many more that you've described. So with this non-conference schedule, maybe you're seeing bigger high-profile matchups between teams because of the bigger margin of error. To me, that reveals, even though I understand what's going on, it feels like you're scheduling scared, at least in the previous years, because you don't want to suffer a loss. And then if you do lose, then you just think you're not going to have any shot to get to the college football playoff. I understand that being the goal for the top teams in all of these conferences, but that does lead to scared scheduling, which is an awful thing. Now, what's great is that North Carolina is going to open up their season against a South Carolina squad that had a very nice year last year, and you can only expect great things going forward under head coach Shane Beamer. Now the thing is Mac Brown is also talking about how he doesn't love the schedule. He's had so many different complaints. Fiddy, we'll throw it back to you. What do you think of Jim uh, Phillips' comments there about the high-profile matchups that we could see out of uh, out of conference? Yeah, this is actually something that he said that isn't wrong or, or, or he isn't lying about. I do think you'll see teams be more willing to play in these high-profile matchups in the non-conference portion of their season, and I think the sport needs that. Remember, like five, six, seven years ago, it felt like every – Every start of the season, the first two to three weeks, you had mammoth matchups all the way across the board. The playoff kind of dwindled that because now teams are like, well, we got to play nine conference games. We're not going to go play 
Oregon, or we're not going to go play in Notre Dame or whoever. Expanded playoff, I think you'll see that because even if you lose, if you go 10-1, and 11-2, and two or whatever, you're still going to be rewarded with a playoff spot at the end of the regular season. Yeah, I agree, and hopefully that will come to fruition, and Jim Phillips is right about that comment, seeing high-profile games, because that's exactly what everybody wants as a consumer of college football. Let's go to the last soundbite talking about the CW Fitty, where Jim Phillips discusses a new relationship. Here he is talking about... What used to be the WB, now the ACC going to be airing on the CW. We've had a great relationship with our TV partners. Um, you know, Raycom has been a wonderful partner of the, CC, uh, the ACC forever. And they were incredibly helpful along with ESPN in getting the CW. And I think all of you understand distribution and eyeballs and, and being able to be visible in all of the regions that our schools are, but across the country. And that was one of the things when I came you know, almost, well, two and a half years ago, um, the frustrations that we had about, I can't find my team. I can't find some of the games. And so Raycom will produce the games and they'll be distributed on the CW and CW is getting into sports, etc. I know they, they, you know, they have live golf and that, that's getting a lot of attention for different reasons, but we are really excited about that. So we get to see the CW secure the rights to 50 ACC games beginning September 9th with Pitt's football game against Cincinnati. 13 ACC football games will air Saturdays on the CW. They'll broadcast 28 ACC men's and women's basketball games through December, January, and February. And the ACC will have men's basketball doubleheaders on the CW every Saturday. Women's basketball doubleheaders on Sunday afternoons. Are you going to be tuning in to the CW a lot? And how good of a relationship do you think this can be? How uh, how beneficial of a relationship do you think this will be for the ACC, Fitty? I just want to know is that, you know, when, when Louisville and Boston College are playing a four-hour marathon on Saturday. Is the game going to be cut in for a rerun of Smallville or Supernatural like it's happened with Live Golf? Because if not, then I'm going to be pretty happy. I I, I guess I, I don't hate it because Raycom is going to be back in the fold. They're going to be producing the games and stuff like that. And I guess because it's on cable, it's going to be easier for, for much people or for a lot more people to find where the games are and everything. But... You know, if, if your TV relationships were so great with ESPN and you were making the money you were supposed to make off the ACC network, would you really be partnering with the CW? I think that answer is no. Yeah, and, and that might be true. The thing for me where I think people are probably taking this and running with it, criticizing it a little too much, you're going to be able to watch a ton of games. And I do think that it's all about having as much exposure, even if it's not with one of these big-time TV, you know, one of these big-time TV outlets. It's not going to be like True TV when everybody is tweeting, hey, True TV, you know, or we're going to have to watch this. Why do you, I can't even find this channel once March Madness rolls around. You're good. This is going to be in your stream of consciousness instead of once every year like it is with March Madness. CW will be in the stream of consciousness for an entire football season. So I think that alone will bring the relevance. And as long as you can easily find it, then I don't have any problem with it. But to answer your first question, I just want to know, are they going to have some version of Clawson's Creek when Wake Forest plays football on the CW? That's my question that I have to all of the listeners out there. Smoke, don't give me that eyebrow raise. It's a great joke. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in, share your thoughts and comments. I did want to continue talking college football as we end the campus corner for now. So we heard from Josh Graham discussing some of his expectations for 
not only Miami football, saying that he thinks they're actually going to get to the ACC championship game, but we were also talking about North Carolina and how it's clearly going to come down to the defense. Fitty, do you agree with that? Do you think the offense can hold up enough in order for the defense to, you know, finally come through, hold their end uh, of the bargain, and figure out if we can uh, actually see North Carolina back in the ACC championship competing and actually winning it? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard-pressed for me to say that right now because I haven't seen them. I, I, I think, and, you know, if you want to give Flounder some more airtime, he can attest to that. The, the issue with Carolina defensively is, is that there is talent there. And the reason why we all bought in when Mac Brown hired Gene Chizik was he did wonders with Carolina's defense in 2015. That doesn't have half the talent that they have right now. And last year, it got even worse after you fired Jay Bateman, who was a terrible defensive coordinator and everything. If they can get better up front, you've got arguably one of, if not the best, linebacking duos in the ACC among, and among one of the better ones in all of college football. If you let those guys be able to get to the ball and make plays, I think you can see – then take a massive step forward because I think if Carolina is top 65, top 70 in the country defensively, if Drake May rebounds from his four games that that, that to end his as a redshirt freshman season a year ago, I think Carolina will at least be in a position when they finish the regular season slate playing, you know, Clemson and NC State and those guys with a chance to get back to the ACC title game. And that's all you can really ask for. Well, and the question for me too, it's is Drake May good enough to carry this team like he was last year honestly but you did have somebody like Josh Downs that was one of the better wide receivers in all of college football and we've seen some of that talent especially a couple of years ago when you had someone like Sam Howell who was also a great college quarterback where you had a running back tandem that was Javante Williams and Michael Carter absolutely amazing and so we know that you have Drake May there I think he can carry that offensive squad despite maybe not having as much talent but Flounder I'll bring it to you what do you think of the wide receiver group that you have this year coming into this season? Is it as strong as they've had in the past? Are we sleeping on that unit? What say you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say as strong as we've had in the past. I, I am very encouraged by the group that is there. Um, you know, I, I like Devontae Walker as a transfer. Um, he did some really good things. People say, well, he's coming from Kansas State, so how good can he really be? Well, he shined against both Washington and more so against Georgia. So th this dude's this dude is definitely a perfect fit for what Carolina needs. Nate McCollum did it, you know, at Georgia Tech. He's done it in the ACC before. He's a guy that last year had 655 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Uh, the 655 most since this will be a great poll for you. DeAndre Smelter back in 2014. Love it. And he's 60 catches. A year ago. That is the most by a Georgia Tech receiver since Calvin Johnson was on campus. All right. So it shows you that he's a guy that sort of made them change what they did offensively. Now he's coming into a system that fits him better offensively. And you've got the guys that are holdovers from last year, like Kobe Pesor, who I love, um, Gavin Blackwell, who's taken a step. The running game, I think, is going to be stronger this year because there's going to be, to me, there, there's going to be a knowledge of what you've got. You know, last year when they went to Elijah Green, we didn't really know what Elijah Green was. Omari and Hampton started the first game of the year. He was a true freshman. So now you're going to have both of those guys leading your unit. Now they got to figure out what the rotation is going to be there. But if they can figure that out, 
Teams May, who was on with us, works you know for the uh, Tar Heel Radio Network. He said that the offensive line, they're doing some different things. This this, this offense is still going to be good. And you've got a guy, look, man, Sam Howell. I love Sam Howell, man. That was my dude. I followed him since he was a freshman yeah. in high school when I used to cover him for the newspaper I worked for. So there was clearly with him, that was my guy. Drake Bay is more talented than him, man. Yeah. Like, Drake Bay is next level. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, he's going to be – look, we had that conversation a little bit with Sam Howe, but perhaps it was far-fetched. It's not far-fetched with Drake May being the second overall pick, possibly, possibly the first overall pick if Caleb Williams has any kind of down year. That'll do it for the Campus Corner. Appreciate everybody tuning in for Weston Walker as we are here live at the Weston for ACC kickoff. There is plenty more content coming your way. Wes Bryant going to be joining us in the 2 o'clock hour. So is his boy, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard. Plenty more still to come on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Weston Walker back, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Wanted to remind everybody about the ACC Network new layout. How about that? Entering its sophomore season, ACC PM will feature co-hosts Mark Packer and Taylor Tannenbaum, who joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. The football-focused weekday show will continue to deliver news and commentary from around the ACC weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. Taylor, thanks so much for stopping by. How are you? I'm good. What's up, guys? Yeah. How, you, how are you holding out? We're, we're out holding here. up okay. Yeah. We're doing well. We've got a, a bunch of guests hopping on, talking a lot of ACC football, as you would expect. My question is, I know you were talking about the schedule. I've been asking some people yeah. about it. Are you a fan of the three-day week that we have now? Or I am. More, more so the two-day. So no, you like three days? I like because it gives you time to, first of all, breathe. Second of all, actually take in what people are saying, right? You're not just in and out, in and out, just regurgitating information. Like, you can actually talk to some folks, listen intently. You can, They can talk for longer, too. So I'm a fan of the three-day. This should be an event. It's, it's the unofficial kickoff to the season, and it gets everyone excited. And honestly, everyone's in a good mood because no one's lost a game yet, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> we got to capitalize on the good mood yeah, as much as on. we possibly can. Sometimes it just doesn't happen with some coaches every now and then. You're just not going to get the good mood no matter what. Nah. But this is the best opportunity to capitalize it as much as possible. How excited are you about the new layout on ACC Network? I'm pumped. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun getting to go on the road every single weekend, which is massive uh, for fans at home who can't necessarily go out and be out to, to bring it back home to people from all the different campuses. That primetime game is obviously key. I'm pumped to get to move to the sidelines this fall for that primetime 8 p.m. kick with uh, Wes Durham and Tim Hasselback on the call as well. So that'll be really fun just, just to... Uh, just to get our faces out there and to, to 
to bring to the forefront ACC football. I think we could have a really, really good year. There are some teams flying under the radar a little bit, but some really bomb quarterbacks. Uh, so we'll see what happens. All right, so who are the teams? Tell us, who are the teams you think are flying under the oh, radar look, this year? Uh, we're going to talk Florida State. We're going to talk Clemson. We're naturally going to talk North Carolina because of Drake May, even though they need a little bit more from their defense. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Um, but I think the teams like Pitt, who, to be honest with you, should be in the conversation year in and year out. They did just win an ACC championship a couple of weeks ago. But unfortunately, they get, they get left out once or twice. Um, Miami, you know, I, I don't like to leave them out of the conversation. I don't like to put them in the conversation every time because what have you done for us lately? Not that much. But with that being said... It's year two under Mario Cristobal. It's going to be a, a very interesting case study. He has gone out and rehauled the entire roster, his coaching staff as well. Uh, so I think there are big things coming for Miami. Uh, Georgia Tech's even exciting in a, in, a, in a funny way because Brent Key, he was here yesterday with the Jackets. You can just sense the passion coming from him. And they snuck up on some teams last year, right, and, and went 4-4 four and four in that back half when he was the interim head coach. Man, what can he do when playing some of the – they have one of the tougher schedules, and they start off against Louisville, who – as a new head coach in Jeff Brown, they can be a factor, especially without being in an Atlantic now, right? There's no divisions. So it can be anybody's ballgame, I really believe. Yeah, so if these teams are not as appreciated as they should be, we all know the narrative about the ACC, that it is a far cry from when you would go up those escalators and then you would see the statue, the championship that Clemson won, and the Heisman Trophy that Lamar Jackson won. Since then, you've been trying to get back to something right. within that same neighborhood. Do you think the national narrative about the ACC will change when this season is all said and done? It has to. The only way it'll change is if uh, they start winning non-conference games. The ACC, right? So uh, I'll give you a statistic. Last year, the ACC played more non-conference Power 5 games than any other conference. They played 28, but their record was 10 and 18. Yeah. That's not going to cut it, right? So yeah, yeah, it's great to schedule them, and I commend all of these. You know, you think of Pitt's schedule, Pat Narduzzi, it, it's crazy. They have Cincy. They have West Virginia. They, they have no slouches. You think, uh, you know, even even Virginia has Tennessee right off the bat. You know, they, there's some tough games. North Carolina, South Carolina early. Uh, there are some big games on the schedule, Florida State, LSU. If you don't win those, then people are going to say, well, they can't win those games. And, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. So, yes, the narrative can change this season. Uh, but they have to win those games. All right, so I'm looking for the most disrespected figure in the ACC. Yeah, Last yeah. question, because you've been going with Pat Narduzzi, the Nard Dog, as we like to call yeah, him. Yeah. Is Pat Narduzzi the most disrespected figure to you in the conference? No, not necessarily. The most, I think, the one that slept on the most and just like really is is Wake Forest, man. Oh, my co-host would be thrilled. He is a Wake Forest it's alum. Wake, hey, come on. He now. played on the offensive line. Wake Forest. He loves that answer. They. They go to bowl games. They have eight, nine win seasons, and still people are like, oh, it was a fluke. No, it's, con it's been consistent under Dave Clawson. And he recruits and develops players mm -hmm. better than anybody else. They don't, you don't see four and five stars running around there at Wake Forest, but what he does is get players that will work for their team, and he makes them better. He, he puts the staff around them to make them better. So I would say maybe the most respected, disrespected mm -hmm. unit would be Wake Forest. All right, you heard it here from Taylor Tannebaum, the only take that matters, according to my co-host, <laughs> Wes Bryant. Find go. her on Twitter, at Taylor Tannebaum, and you can also find her on the ACC Network, doing a bunch of stuff, Renaissance person, that is Taylor Tannebaum. We appreciate it, Taylor. Have Thanks, a great guys. rest of your day. You yeah. too. Thanks so much. That was a lot of fun, talking about some of the disrespected teams. And so when you have Pat Narduzzi up there, you have Dave Clawson. This is the thing, right? I mean, it's 100% right. Like, with Dave Clawson being someone that I actually have shared that opinion alongside Wes, when we talk about the benefit of the doubt, 
when guys start to leave the program, like Sam Hartman, who was there on getting his Ph.D. in football for Wake Forest. He was there for so long. He's now gone. And so now you have Mitch Griffiths, who to me, I feel comfortable with just because that's what Dave Clawson has been able to do. It doesn't matter what quarterback that he has as the signal caller. Think about Jamie Newman, right? Jamie Newman was considered this guy that was going to go, what, second round of the NFL draft? Was good enough to get a look and then transfer to Georgia? I saw somebody put out one of the greater cold, uh, cold take tweets of him being some kind of mix between Cam Newton and I forget what other all-star QB, but it happened. It was there. I saw it. Smoke is nodding in agreement. Yes, that's what we were talking about with Jamie Newman. But that was only under Dave Clawson. It didn't happen under Kirby Smart. It didn't happen under anybody else. And eventually, you move on to Sam Hartman, and then that guy becomes one of the more prolific passers in all of college football. All I'm doing is gassing Wes Bryant up right now. I feel like his demon deacon senses are tingling with me gassing them up so much, but I have to save it when he's away. If he's going to eat lunch and leave me to solo radio alongside Fiddy back at the Planet Kia Studios, then this is the only time I'm going to talk this glowingly about Wake Forest. Fiddy, if I do throw it back to you and I ask you who you think is the most disrespected figure within the conference, would you go with the Nard Dog? Would you go with someone like Dave Clawson or somebody else? Yeah, I, I think I would probably end up going maybe with Narduzzi just because you know he's you know he's gone to the conference championship game. He's won it. Um, and, and taking Pittsburgh to a New Year's Six Bowl game. The thing you can look at when you look at Wake Forest, it, 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 and I really wrestle with this, between them and, and Dave Doran at NC State, they've built the model programs here in the Carolinas from a Power 5 perspective because they're consistently good. That's something you can't say about Carolina. They, they've consistently underwhelmed and underachieved. Maybe Duke becomes that if Mike Elko stays, but I think we all believe that if he goes 9-4 and four, or even 8-4 and four again, he's probably going to a bigger and better job than what Duke has to offer. So there's a legitimate argument there for Clawson because it's so hard to get the type of talent into Wake Forest, and you're winning with that. You're competing with you know, the, 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 the bigger schools in the conference. So there's an argument to be made. I would go Narduzzi just because... You know, he actually has won the ACC. All right, I want to talk to you about this as well as a North Carolina fan because you bring up some of the guys staying in state. I wonder how much pressure is on North Carolina outside of just the normal pressure of that football team finally putting it all together because you mentioned some of the coaches, right? It's the same conversation. Well, Dave Dorn has done a good enough job to where somebody's going to go get him, right? Somebody's going to get him as a coach, and all he does is win football games in Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, so then we move to, you would still say, a – lower-profile school in North Carolina when it comes to their football team, leading up to the point of Dave Clawson. And then Dave Clawson turns out winning season after bowl bid, after bowl bid, and not only getting there, but winning those bowl games. And so when that happens, it's, well, Dave Clawson, he's going to move somewhere, right? Somebody's going to go get him, and he's been there a long time now. No other program has gotten Dave Clawson to leave Wake Forest and coach what you might consider a Richard Tradition college football program anywhere else in the country. So now you have two nice football schools in Wake Forest and NC State, what you've seen the last five years. Is Duke entering that conversation, if they put it together again, under Mike Elko, here we are having this conversation about, well, Mike Elko, he'll leave this time. Man, I just saw those other two guys. They were supposed to leave, and they never did. So now if Mike Elko stays with Duke, you have those three programs, and Mac Brown continues to, I don't want to say underperform, because it's a very weird, nuanced conversation to have about where North Carolina football should be ending up at the end of each season. But, man, if you've got all those other schools on Tobacco Road getting their head coaching decision right 
now with Duke being the last one to come into form, I do think that adds a little bit to North Carolina, especially even after Drake May leaves, right? Like, Mike Elko was doing this with Riley Leonard, who was a Cutcliffe recruit. And then he's able to turn him into one of the better quarterbacks in all of college football and honestly might be up there in that conversation for most disrespected figure. What say you, Fiddy? What say you on all of my thoughts there on Tobacco Row? I mean, I think the thing is, is that, like, there's no way to deny that Mac Brown's second tenure at Carolina, I mean, I, I think for the most part it has been a success. Like, you're, you're winning – you're winning games more often than not. You're putting people in the siege. You, you, you've, you've got you know great talent on the field and the likes of Sam Howell now and Drake May. But I think for Carolina fans, as, as a program that has not won a conference championship since 1980, if you go through Sam Howell and you go through Drake May, and the only thing you have to show for it was a loss in the Orange Bowl to Texas A&M during the COVID year and a 35-point drubbing of, to Clemson in the ACC championship, I think it's going to be a hard pill to swallow and say this wasn't as successful as we thought it was going to be, given what he did his first time. Because his first time here, he had you on the brink of becoming a national championship-level program. And maybe, maybe my expectations are too high. But when a guy that was here before got you to number three in the polls and had you playing meaningful games in November, you want to believe that that can happen again. We thought that was going to happen last year, and then you lose home games to Georgia Tech and NC State, teams that were playing third-string quarterbacks while you had Drake May. So it's a very nuanced conversation, but you know when you look at it from top to bottom, Mac Brown, I think, has done what he set out to do when he took the job which was make the job more attractive than when it was when Larry Fedora got fired. Well, this is the thing, though. This is the dangerous territory to be in as a head coach when you yourself are responsible for the loftier expectations, and then when you don't meet those, and now people are calling for your firing, despite you being the one responsible for people feeling this type of way, this happens to so many different coaches in all walks of life, in the NBA, in college football, in college basketball. And so now here we are with Mac Brown, man, like after two years suffering of what you had with Larry Fedora at the very end of his tenure, and Mac Brown comes back to North Carolina when there were a lot of naysayers on that move there were a lot of people that just rolled their eyes and saying oh really this is all nostalgia oh, there flounder is, there is this is nothing but nostalgia and this actually isn't going to be an effective hire well he turns out seven and six eight and four six and seven season but you go nine and five last year and you're ending on a sour note mm -hmm. very weird flounder you're on the mic now because your boy called you out what's well I, I mean to be fair, I mean, look at my look at my coaching pick at the time, right? Scott Satterfield's just burning it up, isn't he? <laughs> to be fair, I was yeah, I was critical point. of the hire. But at no, the time. you're not the only one. Like he can cough and say flounder all he wants to, but nobody. It it wasn't widely celebrated. This thing was real polarizing on trying to figure out whether he was going to come back. And I'm not even going to say people that were naysayers were wrong in the sense that they got right that Mac Brown was going to be a good recruiter. And that is exactly what Mac Brown has done, yeah. bringing in talented dudes. It, it goes back to the adage that was said about him at Texas. You love Mac Brown as your head coach, except on game day. You love him as your head coach every other day, except on game day. And that's kind of been what it is to where people don't love him as the head coach, despite going 9-5 and five for the first time, you know, since Larry Fedora got that team to a championship you, appearance. You hit the nail on the head when you said that he has set the expectations up himself 
and that's why people are so mad about where things are at because that, that, that's that's really what it is. The expectations when he was hired was, can you get us just back to being in bowl games? Oh, because we celebrated the hell out of him after his first season. We thought it was wins. amazing yeah. what he did in his first year because that roster was – it, it was it was a disaster because Larry Fedora's recruiting really tailed off late. He did the other thing that he set out to do, which was recruit the state well, and he's he's still doing that to a certain extent. It's, it, I mean, they struggled a little bit this year in state, but they've rallied at the end. I just think it's you've gotten to a point now where you've heard of multiple off seasons. Our goal is to win the ACC. And you look at the roster, you look at the talent that's on it, and you're saying, okay, that makes sense. And you're setting these expectations, not the fan base. So they feel like it's realistic. It's something that they can go after. I find it hard to believe they will ever fire him. I really do. Right. Because of the gumption that he has there. That's an old man word for you right there. Gumption. That's a Mac word right there. (laughs) But – it's it's just there's there's so much frustration because he's he's a guy that tells you everything that you want to hear, and his teams aren't bad, but you feel like you're so close to being able to get over the hump. Last year, nine and one, you're cruising along, a ten win season is in sight, and you finish nine and five. Now the people from the outside will tell you. Well, you won nine games. That's the most. That that's the uh, second time you've won nine games since he left. But you're looking at it and you're saying, "Well, they lost four straight at the end of the year, and to teams that were terrible." So uh, it drives me crazy. Walker, I'm going nuts here. No, it's okay. I understand. <laughs> I will. I will take back the mic from you, and we can go to the text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten seven zero four wrote in. Only the uninformed are calling on dumping Mac Brown. Secondly, how many years in Mac 1.0 was UNC ranked number three? Like, yeah, when you're talking about especially this second this second iteration of the Mac Brown era at North Carolina, I think you're probably right. I don't know if the majority of the fan base wants him to leave, but you, I think there still are levels of disappointment that you reach because when you put up – you score a touchdown in the ACC championship game against Clemson, and they seem vulnerable because DJU wasn't playing well, and he starts that game. Kate Klubnick comes in. We know the rest. Kate Klubnick, it's his best game by far after the time giving DJU a rest every now and then. But when North Carolina gets to the ACC championship, despite a bad last month of football, you still feel like Clemson was vulnerable in that spot because it wasn't the normal Clemson teams that are going to the college football playoff and contending for championships, and it's not even competitive after one touchdown drive. It's not competitive at all, and I think that's what people are asking for. So if you can find that happy medium of, hey, let's be competitive against the best team in the conference for the last decade or so, even if it doesn't result in a victory, we can accept something better than getting beat by three touchdowns. You, you can find yourself, I think, in that area, and probably that is, that's probably the correct neighborhood to be in, in, in my opinion. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text us your thoughts and comments on all ACC topics as we continue to talk about ACC football during its kickoff event live at the Westin in Uptown Charlotte. Coming up next, at a chance to talk with Jared Verse, defensive end from Florida State. It was a great convo. He was fantastic to talk to. Talked about Jamie Robinson, New Carolina Panther, and Brian Burns, also a fellow Florida State defensive edge rusher. Hear from Jared Verse, a projected top 10 pick coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are at the ACC kickoff live from the Wesson Uptown. This is how we get our interview started on Wesson Walker. We're getting our day started with a projected top five pick, Florida State defensive end. Jared Verse now joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jared, how's your first ACC media day going? I ain't going to lie, it's a lot more than I expected, and I love every bit of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's always a lot of fun. We always get hyped up for it. We appreciate you joining us here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I did want to ask you about how different this offseason feels. I guess you were going into last year with the expectations, maybe not being as high when you guys were getting slept on, and then, boom, you double your win total. You go from five wins to ten wins. How different does this offseason feel compared to the offseason that you went with the Seminoles last year? I think everybody knows what we're capable of now. Like, last year was kind of like, a, okay, like, we got a lot of pieces. Let's be better than we were last year. Everybody came into it ready to attack, ready to work, ready to do everything they could. But this year it's like, like I've heard the word so many times say expectations. Yeah. Everybody's talking about how big the expectations are for us, and people want to live up to that so bad. So everybody's going out there and pushing themselves even more, not even just for the fan base or for Florida State, but for the brotherhood that we have as a team. Yeah, you clearly have a brotherhood. I wanted to get to that in just a moment. I did want to talk about the expectations that you guys have within yourselves. I mean, look, some people will reveal the goals, play off or bust, just do as best as you can. I mean, clearly the goal has to be, going all the way with this talent that you have, right? I, I will say it like this. Our goal is just to give our best. Yes, we won the national championship. We won the ACC championship. Sure. We want to be the top of the top. But us, we know we will get all of that if we give everything we can. And that's what we have to do. Well, and Jared, you were supposed to be a top five pick or a top pick this year, too. And you decided to come back. And there's a lot of talent coming back this year. And that's why so many people are high on the Seminoles to win the championship maybe here within the ACC, possibly go to the college football playoff. What was that like with you talking with so many other guys on the team deciding, you know, we can have a special year if we all come back? And I know some of it was out of guys' control, but, you know, for someone like you who could have been a top pick, here you are coming back to Florida State. Man, it seems like all of you shared the common goal in trying to go beyond what you even achieved last year. Yeah, last year, it was definitely, I would say, a successful season. We doubled our win total like you spoke about before. We made it to a bowl game. We won. We ended up winning the Cheez-It Bowl against a good Oklahoma team. An Oklahoma team that's a lot better than their record. I will give them credit every day of the week. That team was a lot better than what they had on their record. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were pretty good and everything like that. But this year, it's like, right, we got all these people coming back. Jordan Travis came back. Kaylin Deloach came back. Baby and Love. We got all these guys coming back. I'm talking with them. They're like, bro, shoot come back i'm like this was this was not collective i mean it was somewhat collective right when you guys were yeah. talking about yeah i think i am going to come back to tallahassee and stuff like that yeah, it was always like like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with yeah. each of us with each other and i was talking with uh j-dub the one day he was like bro come back like he sat down with me like give me a full layout and i was like all right man i'm, I'm gonna think about it <laughs> it was at the cheese bowl i decided before we played the bowl game and i didn't tell anybody 
I, I told Trey Benson, he said, no, you're not, bro. He didn't, he didn't believe me. <laughs> he didn't believe me until I posted it, like, that day. I, it, it sounds like it came down to the wire for you. Oh, yeah, it was definitely close. I was like, should I leave? You know, because I got injured last year. I didn't want that to be a right. factor this year. But then I was like, no, they took care of me when I did get hurt. I was like, I, I definitely got to run it back with my guys. All right, so one Seminole that went pro was Jamie Robinson. He's a new Panthers safety. Carolina Panthers fans around the area are thrilled to get him in the fifth round. And we did the Blueprint Series here. I don't know if you saw his clip, but when GM Scott Fitterer picked Jamie Robinson, got on the phone, the only dude that wasn't happy because so many teams picked over him. And he said, look, I'm telling you, it, there's not a million dudes better than me like we're selected. What are the Panthers getting in somebody that you consider a close friend on your team that now is in the NFL in Jamie Robinson? Jamie is the first player I've ever played with where if somebody got by me, I knew who was going to handle it. I was like, I turned around, I'm like, all right, I ha if anything happens, this guy's going down by Jamie's hands. Jamie is a downhill safety. He will crack anything on the run game. In the pass game, he will cover anybody and handle business. I, Jamie, I wish Jamie came back. I wish. I, <laughs> he baited me, too. He kept telling me he was leaving. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. And the day before, he announced it. He was like, hey, big news tomorrow. I'm like, is he coming back? Mm -hmm. I, they go post he leave. I'm like, man, you ain't nothing. Well, we're excited though, like because the Panthers fans genuinely excited about Jamie. Despite it's, you don't get excited as much about fifth round picks, but a lot of people are excited about Jamie because we feel like he fell around the city too. Oh, Jamie definitely fell around the two. He he could definitely have been picked a lot higher. I thought he was going to be, but like where he went, I'm like, all right, like Jamie. Now he has a chip on his shoulder. He's gonna work even harder. Now I think you're a big fan of Jamie for sure. I feel like he's a bigger fan of you. I saw that clip that you tweeted out about him saying how much he recruited you, how you had like two, three sacks in a game that he was referencing, about how when he saw you coming out of that Albany and everybody and their brother was giving you a scholarship opportunity, it was him trying to recruit you to come to Florida State as well. How much did he play a part in your uh, committing to Florida State? It was definitely Florida State was one of my last visits, and you always get a host on a visit, like somebody that will take you around. But, like, you don't really get to meet any of the players. Jamie came into the room while I was watching film and sat me down and, like, was, like, talking to me like a regular player. Like, not like he was trying to recruit me or anything like that. He was like, we can do great things here because mm -hmm. I've seen you. But he talked more about me than anybody else. And I was like, all right, I, I like this guy. Then I got here and I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, this guy's really – yeah, I like this guy. <laughs> Jared Verse, a defensive end for Florida State, joining us live at the West and Uptown for ACC kickoff. Speaking of another Carolina Panther that went to Florida State, Brian Burns. We're still waiting for him to get the bag. You know, hopefully it happens soon, but he is reporting to camp. We're all very excited about what could come with Brian Burns. Do you have a relationship with him at all, former Seminole? We follow each other on Instagram. After one game, he texted me. It was like, great game, or good, cool. good player, anything like that. I haven't gotten to talk to him like, have a full conversation with him. I do want to talk to him, hang out with him, and, like, really understand his game at some point because that guy, I do model a little bit of my game after him. But he's somebody I do, like, he's somebody that's up there in my eyes. Brian, if you're listening, talk to Jared Verse. It's, it's going to happen. Man, because you've got, like, I feel like with your games, Brian Burns is just a freak speed rush athlete off the edge. You got some crazy powerful hands from like what I see. Like, and I, I think I saw you talk about Brian Burns being one of the guys that you model your game after. A couple of other defensive ends are in the mix too. Oh, most definitely, Max Crosby is probably one of the top ones. Like, I got three top ones: is Micah Parsons, Brian Burns, and Max Crosby. And Max Crosby has been my guy for about five years now. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching his film. I'm like, like I'm breaking it down, <laughs> slowing it down, reversing. I'm like, this guy's insane. All right, final question before we get you out of here. I know you're a busy man. We appreciate it. I have to ask this question for my Charlotte 49er fans and, well, myself. When your offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, was here, 
he was insane. Had like a 10-drive stretch where they scored 10 straight touchdowns. Also a great offensive line coach. How is it trying to not only go against great talent every day in practice, but also coached by somebody with that kind of mind on top of Mike Norvell being a good offensive mind? Because coach, you know, he coaches the O-line. And yep. He's also the offensive coordinator. But when, like, when we're doing one-on-one pass rushes and say I get beat or like they get their hands on me and I end up getting put down to the ground or something like that, I'll walk over to Coach Atkins and he'll tell me, he'll be like, hey, man, you should have done this. Like, He'll tell me a little something. Yeah, like yeah. The O-line, they do the same thing. Like, if an O-line pancakes, they'll tell me, hey, man, you did this. Your foot placing was off. You don't usually do that. What's happened? Like, they know that's the way I play. It's like, what I got to do to become a better player. So, it's definitely – you just grow every day around these type of people. Very cool. Big expectations for Florida State and Jared Verse. Excited to watch him play. I'm sure everybody listening is. Jared Verse, defensive end for Florida State, joining us at the Weston for ACC kickoff. We appreciate the time. Good luck on the year. And thank you. Thank you for having me, too.